Welcome to the Course in Miracles podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the... Lesson 101, well into the hundreds. Well, not well, but past 100. So you've made it through 100 lessons of Course in Miracles and feel good about that. Congratulate yourself. I hope that you're starting to see, hear, feel, experience shifts in your thinking. I hope that you are starting to see yourself being a little more compassionate towards others. I hope that perhaps you are laughing at the ego and the crazy things that it does, the crazy things that it thinks, the crazy things that it says. Um, I David Hawkins talks about in uh, several of his books, or at least a couple of his books, that the basically the ego becomes like kind of like a pet, like this playful pet, like this little sub-personality that exists within you beneath the true self. And that is a really fun way to relate to the ego. It's just this sort of, you know, stupid puppy. <laughs> Not that puppies are stupid, but it's what what I find is that the more you do this sort of work, and not necessarily Course in Miracles exclusively, um, but the more you just start of, the more you create awareness or start to create uh, awareness around the ego and how it operates, and when you start to discover that everyone's ego is kind of the same as everybody else's ego, it really starts to present this sort of unity sort of unity concept, unified consciousness concept. And that can, you know, perhaps contradict what Don Miguel Ruiz says. He's got, excuse me, uh, his book, The Mastery of Love, which I might have mentioned recently. But he's basically talking about how if you're in relationship with another person, you, you really don't have any idea what is going on in the mind of that human being. Like, you don't know what their experience is. They, they're living a different dream than you. And what Course in Miracles says is that, and that's, there's some really, his books are brilliant. They're really easy to read. They're very deep. They're really profound, and you can read them very quickly and get a lot from them. But the Course in Miracles stuff sort of says it's all one dream. We're all sort of dreaming this illusion together, and we are all part of this Christ consciousness. And... And so it's, I, I think there's certainly plenty of similarities, but that perhaps there, there's just enough differences in the various spiritual orientations to the universe to keep things interesting. I guess I'll just leave it at that. So without further ado, this is, looks like it's a slightly shorter lesson. So, you know, in a perfect world, you are doing five minutes at the beginning of every hour. Yesterday, I noticed I hadn't really done that all day. And so I dedicated like the last hour of my day. I did it like five times. I did like just set, set the timer. I was laying on the couch. I set the timer on my phone and I did five minutes and then I watched like a YouTube video and then I did like five more minutes and then made me watch another YouTube video and just did it like that. Again, just do your best. The intention matters. Your commitment and your intention to get as much as you can out of this course makes a huge difference. So Lesson 101, without further ado, ado, God's will for me is perfect happiness. 
Today we will continue with the theme of happiness. This is a key idea in understanding what salvation means. You still believe it asks for suffering as penance for your sins. This is not so. Yet you must think yet you must think it so while you believe that sin is real and that God's son can sin. If sin is real, then punishment is just and cannot be escaped. Salvation thus cannot be purchased, but through suffering. If sin is real, then happiness must be an illusion, for they both for they cannot both be true. The sinful warrant only death and pain, and it is this they ask for. For they know it waits for them, and it will seek them out and find them somewhere, sometime, in some form that event that evens the account they owe to God. This is that sort of Catholic penance type of a thing. They would escape him in their fear, and yet he will pursue, and they cannot escape. So I've mentioned Father Ripperger, uh, this YouTube exorcist guy who I follow, real real exorcist who I follow, and. That's, this is kind of the flavor of what he's, the, 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 the feel of the flavor. The, you get what I'm saying? It's kind of the stuff he's sort of spitting. You're, you're a god-awful sinner, and you must suffer, and the more you suffer, the greater the likelihood that you will get to heaven. I'm certainly paraphrasing the entire religion, but in a lot of ways, what it just said in this previous paragraph is, is kind of how it comes across. If sin is real, salvation must be pain. Pain is the cost of sin, and suffering can never be escaped if sin is real. Salvation must be feared, for it will kill, but slowly, taking everything away before it grants the welcome boon of death to victims who are little more than bones before salvation is appeased. Its wrath is boundless, merciless, but wholly just. Who would seek out such savage punishment? Who would not flee salvation and attempt in every way he can to drown the voice which offers it to him? Why would he try to listen and accept its offering? If sin is real, its offering is death, and meted out in cruel form to match the vicious wishes in which sin is born. If sin is real, salvation has has become your bitter enemy, the curse of God upon you, who have crucified his son. You need the practice periods today. The exercises teach sin is not real, and all that you believe must come from sin will never happen, for it has no cost. Accept atonement with an open mind, which cherishes no lingering belief that you have made a devil of God's son. There is no sin. We practice with this thought as often as we can today because it is the basis for today's idea. So again, this is, this is going to uh, get, get the religionists' panties all up in a bunch. Nothing against the religionists, but you know, what do you mean there's no sin? And, and I get why it is that they feel that way. And the entire Jesus story is a truly, truly beautiful one. Jesus was God made flesh, and he was sent down here to take on all of the sins of the entire world. And his mother witnessed the entire thing, his entire life from birth to death, and she knew what was going to happen. She knew what was going to happen to the Son of God, and she she 
she carried that burden with her for her entire life. And that is the virtue of mortification, willingly accepting your suffering as Jesus did according to the traditional Christian story, which, again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with. We are just doing a different type of a thing with Course in Miracles and as Course in Miracles students. I believe that it's the same Jesus. I don't think that there's any real difference in the God uh, this, this isn't a different God from that God. I think we all just have different understandings of who and or what God is. God's will for you is perfect happiness before there is no sin and suffering is causeless. Joy is just and pain is but the sign you have misunderstood yourself. Fear not the will of God, but turn to it in confidence that it will set you free from all the consequences sin has wrought in feverish imagination. Say, this is a really great prayer. I love this prayer. God's will for me is perfect happiness. There is no sin. It has no consequence. So, sh so should you start your practice periods and then attempt again to find the joy these thoughts will introduce into your mind. Give these five minutes gladly to remove the heavy load you lay upon yourself with the insane belief that sin is real. Today, escape from madness. You are set on freedom's road, and now today's idea brings wings to speed you on and hope to, to go still f faster to the waiting goal of peace. There is no sin. Remember this today and tell yourself as often as you can, God's will for me is perfect happiness. This is the truth because there is no sin. So this is some really powerful stuff. Um, it was Easter two days ago. And so that, that, that demonstration, that radical demonstration of forgiveness that Jesus offered to the world in forgiving the people who crucified him, the soldiers who crucified him, uh, that is a beautiful example. That is a beautiful demonstration of unconditional love. While at the same time, uh, it's not like that's something that you approve of. I don't think Jesus approved of this. I don't think he approved of their behavior, but he forgave their behavior. And um, we are, if you look out in the world, look out into the world today, there are people crucifying one another all over the place. And as soon as we have that awareness, we can go on YouTube and notice the way that we get triggered. I'm definitely projecting here and catch ourselves when we are getting our panties up into a bunch and practice forgiveness instead of uh, giving into the temptation of the ego to judge and to hate and to uh, condemn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of condemnation going on in the world lately. And I, I like to think that if we keep our thoughts aligned with God's, that it will minimize the, the amount of damage that can happen while at the same time, uh, it's not like there are any guarantees, right? Just because you're walking around in this little miracle bubble I'm referring to all the time, uh, it doesn't mean that you know bad things can't happen. Things certainly happen in the world. The shootings are real, right? So the last thing we wanna do is, you know, if we see a shooting is go and pull a Course in Miracles 
you know, and deny the reality of that sort of thing, uh, deny the reality of the victims, right, and what they find themselves experience, experiencing. Um, so again, we don't want to deny that, but we can certainly take a different attitude ultimately towards these types of things or toward these type of things. Thanks again, Miracle Workers, for listening again, and I will uh, talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.